lot of holidays are here. That's a topic. Mm-hmm. Boom, just like that. We are recording. Coffee drinkers, happy holidays. Merry Christmas. It's been a few days. Hope you guys enjoyed the Chris Cheney episode. It was a lot of fun sitting down with Chris, shooting the breeze. Um, we were just sitting here talking. Oh, we said, what are we going to talk about? We should probably figure that out first. And then I just realized Chelsea had a, a burner of a gig last night in Long Beach with the peeps. Indeed. Um, one of whom you just informed me was on the road with Herbie. That was very interesting. Michael mm-hmm. Michael Mayo. Mr. Michael Mayo on vocals. Badass singer. Indeed. Was he there that night at the satellite sitting in with Amber on her solo gig? Was that one of the singers? No. No? Damn, I thought I'd seen him play live. I've definitely checked him on the tubes. Yeah. Um, your buddy Connor. Mm-hmm. Connor drums. Kent. Like kind of a burning band. Yeah. I can run through them real quick if you want to. Do it. Okay, well, there's Michael Mayo. He went to NEC. New England Conservatory? Yes. Nice. I believe. And then did the Monk Institute. Okay. And now he's touring with Herbie Hancock. No big deal. No big deal. (laughs) Uh, Then there's Alex Hahn. He graduated from University of North Texas, then USC with a master's, and then also did the Monk Institute for his second master's. Guy is a lifer. Uh, Yeah, and he's just a killing musician, um, saxophone player. And uh, he also has a really cool educational thing on his Instagram. He's been posting solos on Instagram for like three years now okay. and every few months he releases a book of all of the transcriptions of his solos and oh, he's up cool. to like 480 or something like Damn. that yeah so he's why didn't we think of that i know <laughs> well you have songs and solos i think he got that idea from you actually no really? um so yeah that's okay. alex Hahn, and then there's connor kent he's an old friend of mine a great drummer great drama yeah um is currently in the berkeley global jazz program where you get a master's in one year for free and get to study with Danilo <sighs> Perez and John Patitucci and all these other Brian crazy Blade people. And anyone he yeah. brings in it's like yeah it's totally unfair and awesome for Connor and then but uh, we would both do it if we got the chance oh hell yeah when we braved the Boston winter one time for a master's in one year for yeah. free that's for the free <laughs> kidding me gratis yeah. yeah that's the big one yep and then finally uh Many of you might know him as Mr. One Minute Jazz Lessons, but one of my very best friends, Jacob Mann, he tours with the band Nowhere. Lean back. (laughs) Oh no, lay back. Oh God, I got the punchline wrong. Oh, you're such an old guy. So sad. (laughs) Thanks. Um, Yeah, Jacob Mann on keys and uh, it was killing band. Yeah. um, Playing a lot of tunes. Yep. From the depths of the archives. Mm Mm-hmm. That haven't been dusted off in a long time those guys like to burn them and the funny thing is when we were all going to jazz school that was really fun to do but now <laughs> yeah. all of us are doing gigs where we're not just playing tunes all the time right. connor might be the only one who's still just kind of playing tunes because he's still very much in an active jazz program right. but the rest of us have moved on to very different paths so is that a thing for anyone anymore what like just playing burnout tunes like oh people, yeah oh okay college kids no 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 i'm no absolutely shut off the like post college i mean like real sorry college students real musicians who are out there and not in a in an educational program i think right? people still do it for fun yeah it's still just kind of a 
I, my brother I guess and I Bob came and up Jay with the term. kind of do that thing, right? Where it's like bebop tunes that they write mm-hmm. together, play super fast jazz. My brother and I came up with the term jazz flexing. Oh yeah, that, and that is what it feels like. It's like when it's you're like in the gym and some like muscle beach at Venice. Some dude comes up and like <laughs> is waiting for you to get off the machine, and then he sits down on the machine and puts all the weights on it. Goes, Hoo! <laughs> that's jazz flexing. It's playing Voyage, Voyage at, 400 at 400 in 40 degree weather right by the ocean. You were outdoors? Oh, that's the one with all the touch pools around you. Yes, right? we were playing in, this sounds so weird. Uh, <laughs> Connor's dad used to be the manager of the Long Beach Aquarium of the Pacific, which is a really gorgeous So that's aquarium. how the gig came about. And Connor, Alex, and I uh, had been playing, we were all in like the California All-Star Jazz Band, and so we met in high school and we've been playing at the aquarium since we were like 16 years old. Okay. So that's how that gig came to be and still exists. And you do it every way. year, right? I remember you doing this last year. Yep, I do. What do you say? What? What did you say? Nothing. I am trying to I was trying to open. Why okay, people, coffee drinkers, why is Spotify so bad on desktops and um laptops? Like the opening of this it just takes forever. And I you know okay, for sure I should probably dial in the stuff and do research before we start but come on it just takes so long um voyage <laughs> kenny Barron, right yeah so i wonder which record is going to come up for that i wonder if kenny Barron's even on it doesn't look like it oh that's pretty weak huh although there's a version with randy brecker did you spell it wrong v- k-e-n-n-y i know how to spell kenny i don't trust your spelling of anything <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, babe. Um, well, this is Voyage. Oh, by, yeah, there we go. But this is the Ernie Del Fonte quintet, so I have no idea what we're about to <laughs> about to get into here. I really the depths of Spotify, are my favorite place to go. Yeah, let's let's find out. <laughs> it says 1999 on the release. That definitely sounds. That definitely sounds like a bass that was recorded in 1999. Yes, it does. All DI and no mic. Probably a stick bass. Yeah, sorry, whoever that was. Randroids on this one. That's Randy Brecker. Randy Brecker. Oh, that's more more like it. Bridge is what gets you there. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> Those are some two fives for anyone who wants that book. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Brignola. Barry player. Yeah, um, so all the toddlers that were there to touch the sharks last night were was really into the 400 BPM voyage there. How... How does that go over? I mean, you know. Is it parents with like a little eggnog or a glass of wine or something? Or No, they're, no? they're completely taken off guard. <laughs> they have you no idea what they're in for. And they're like, what the fuck is going yeah, on? Yeah, no, they there? don't know those poor parents. Um, well, so it's just forced upon them once a year. Yeah. Since a lot of us are from the area, a lot of our friends and family come out, which is great. But yeah, it's just an event. It's a shark free family shark lagoon event where there's touch pools and you can like play with manta rays and it's awesome. 
there's a 400 pound stingray at the aquarium right now. Would it be more awesome without the jazz? Quite possibly. <laughs> but seriously, these sharks are freaking awesome. <laughs> anyway. You don't like sharks. Yes, I do. Yeah. Can we go to Not South like, Africa and go? No, no, no. I don't want them, them. Come on. near me. By the way, you see what I have written down here? I don't. On a post-it note? South Africa, three exclamation points. Exactly. Somebody was asking me recently on a stream. Uh, I think I was on Instagram Live or something like that. And um, this is something we should talk about together. Check that out. Live in real time. We'll discuss some personal stuff right now. Personal scheduling, post-wedding stuff. No, it, I'm, I'm kind of kidding a little bit, but... Somebody said, hey, w would you consider coming to South Africa? And of course, you know, I'll consider going pretty much anywhere. Um, last Minute World Tour was was that, basically. It was just going where, where the audience was. So what I wanted to, our year is going to be a little crazy in 2019. That's uh, an understatement. Yeah. We're basically going to be uh, piggybacking each other's tours. Chelsea goes, then comes home, and then I go. And uh, quite a lot of them. We miss each other by two days. Yeah, like really. Like, Until uh, August. <laughs> and yeah, it's really crazy. Like, yeah. You know, we're getting married in August in the, in the end of that month. And I'm, I know I'm going to be out with Bob Reynolds in Europe in July. And Chelsea's, you know, Dust Bowl Revival and Morgan James and Doug Womble. And the, these tours are just piggybacking each other. So what I'm not going to do is book any solo touring until like way after the wedding it we might get it going like a year from now maybe like a november of 2019 would be good i know london jazz festival is in november that would be mm. awesome to do and it's summer in half the world in november and december january so I'm, I'm totally open to doing some southern hemisphere stuff maybe south africa will be the first place you know it's just really far from la it's really tough to get to and I've never played there as a band leader. So what I want to mm. start getting in people's ears. Now, this is really like almost a year away at the earliest. But it really takes that long to book a tour and to make it happen. So I want to get this in people's ears. Coffee drinkers, I am going to be doing something last minute world tour-ish. I really want to be doing it with a band this time, if at all possible. So the farther in advance we can start talking about this and communicating about it, if there is anyone in Cape Town or Jobo or wherever in South Africa or anywhere else in the world, I would love to come there and play. So I'm basically, this is like the start of tour booking for the end of 2019 and the beginning of 2020. Um, and hopefully Chelsea can come as well and we can like go to places that both of us that neither of us have ever been together hopefully play I can play some music where I've never played as a band leader I know we want to travel to a bunch of places anyway crazy beautiful interesting places so if you feel like you are in one of those places hit us up um, you can leave us like questions and suggestions and all kinds of stuff on the speak pipe yeah com forward slash podcast we're going to get to a couple of your questions later on in today's podcast are you how are you now that you've been on the road a bunch this year it's kind of like the, the first year where you really like okay you're in you know feet first deep end boom europe four weeks like i did two european tours this year crazy right yeah. so you're like no fucking around this is it you're a touring musician now Having been Mrs. Now in what? Town. Yeah, you're a touring <laughs> musician now. What? Um, how, does it, how does it change now? Like you're looking forward to next year, uh, whether you are looking forward to it like, woo or you're just literally looking at the year. How do you feel now 
in terms of like getting like gearing up for that and being a little more prepared maybe or like it's very different yeah i feel like the hustle element of my career can calm down a little bit mm-hmm. you I, happy about that yeah a little bit um but i was talking recently with one of my friends about how when you have one thing to do it can be impossible to get it done if you only have one thing to do in a day right then it can be the hardest thing in the world to get that thing done but when you have 20 things to do then adding that one thing on is no big right. deal so that's kind of what it feels like it's like when i need to hustle for all of my work then hustling a little harder is no big deal but when i don't really need to hustle at all then you have your schedule kind of takes the wind out of right. out of the career sales a little bit do you do you think the hustle keeps you sharp yes yeah definitely keeps, and just not bored yeah keeps my mind ready keeps me interested in a lot of different things so do you feel like the downtime like you know there are chunks of 2019 where you are you're 100 you're going to be gone for a long stretch of right. time do you think the downtime in between is like tougher to deal with now yeah definitely the same thing happened when i was on the tv show right and we would have our seasons and uh-huh. then we would have time off. And in the time off, I didn't need the money. I didn't right. need to hustle because I'd made so much money in the season that You're I knew cool. I would be yeah. fine. And I I was exhausted. I didn't want to have to hustle to get all these $100 gigs every night. Right. So, yeah, I just kind of totally lost my direction a little bit. But when you have a great gig, you're thankful that you have a great sure. gig. You know, you have something steady that's bringing the money in. Yeah. So that yeah. part of it's nice. It's just a different different life yeah I'm, I'm looking at it like we're going to be changing gears a lot next year like mm-hmm. up and down there's going to be a lot of shifting you know like domestic stuff road stuff wedding stuff like like crazy big things happening in both of our lives apart and together yeah that's to me that's like a big motivator like just to get out there and do it and work hard you know whether it's on the road or whether it's at home mm-hmm. and be super relaxed for that one month leading up to the wedding yeah i think i need to learn how to be relaxed period (laughs) i need to learn what it really is like to be able to come home after oh and shut it down tour yeah and be able to shut down and be rejuvenated that's what i always kind of miss i turn everything off and just do my best not to get sick okay when i'm when i'm relaxing and when my body's kind of recovering but then i never feel like the coals are re put in my engine again right, right, right. it's just kind of when i start on the next thing my engine is empty and i'm like oh crap yeah <laughs> that's something me and james always talk about like the structure of being on a tour like mm. he, he's in this huge touring corporation basically they are like maroon right. five and they their, their their infrastructure their framework is so defined but with that comes this luxury of this super defined schedule yeah where you can be really efficient and he we we always talk about that for so long, like especially when I was touring way more, and he was, you know, he's always been touring. But like coming home, I'm like, uh oh, forget how to plug your own pedals in and stuff. Yeah. Like, like, oh, Does what? James have a strict workout regimen on the road? Does he stay in shape? Yeah, he's it, the irony being like the lately, like the last I think seven or eight years, I think a lot of the guys in the band they're like way cleaner on the road than they are at home. Because they have the luxury, obviously, of personal chefs and personal right. trainer and a yoga instructor and all these things that go with a global kind of pop touring entity, um, and they deserve it. They worked. They worked hard for that. Um, if I was in their position, 
I'd probably double up on everything. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like so yeah, the irony being that they got like the I know there have been tours with the James have been on has been on where he went like, you know, zero party mode. Right. Like lit zero, like zero alcohol, paleo diet, hardcore fitness regime, sleeping right, hydrated, the whole bit, and came home looking like He Man. You know what I mean? Like totally ripped and like in the with best the shape of his, with the hair and all. You know? All six foot four of him, like totally different human being. But wow. that, you know, so much of that comes with structure. Yeah. I think that's what I, you, you see me every day. I struggle with that. Um, I don't struggle with doing the work, I don't, I don't think, but I do struggle with what the thing is that mm. I prioritize. Yeah. For sure. And you see that. I mean, lately I've been practicing a lot more, I mm-hmm. think. Way more hours been good just to kind of like especially after the book did you notice that like after the book came out and then i just shut everything else down and just we're podcasting whatever we're just practicing like four five sometimes six hours a day right now especially with this paganini thing (laughs) we're gonna do that chelsea like i'm practicing this paganini thing and chelsea's like oh because chelsea's for anyone who doesn't know was a violinist first suzuki method a very long time ago long time ago but still she has the has the instruments in the closet and um mm. she's like oh we should do that I'll, I'll play the violin part and then you know you play the bass we'll play it in unison i i, I the longer it's gone on i don't think i can play it at the tempo it should be i'm never gonna get to the tempo it should be uh, but at least you have the bow you can use the correct technique that's I'm like true frankensteining this instrument that's tuning fourths instead of fifths and like no bow and it's like there are like six inches and you get eight octaves on the violin and you go six inches and you get minor third on the bass. <laughs> <laughs> Such a dumb instrument. Um, should we take a couple of questions? Yeah, let's do it. Um, we are, guys, coffee drinkers, we're answering them in the order that they showed up. Um, so next up on the hit list is Luis Mendez, who asks... Hi, Janik. Could you please share some ideas or exercises or even write a new book on how to improve on dynamics and articulation? Thank you, bro. Ooh. Thanks, bro. Yeah, bro. Um, hermano. Um, <laughs> yes. I don't know. Yes, pro- probably. I can definitely give you some tips, dynamics and, and that kind of stuff, as I'm sure Chelsea can. Um, when you when you talk about writing a new book, Chelsea goes, uh-oh. <laughs> that means a lot of work for her i don't know tips on dynamics for me it starts with listening to that and being aware of it like you know if you're having a conversation with someone and you're just like shouting and there are only two of you in a really quiet space you sort of feel it out and you realize oh oh okay this is a little too loud this isn't inappropriate so in terms of being in control of the basics i think listening is is huge and um understanding your role in the band or the ensemble that you're playing in as well bass is a very powerful instrument i think both you know in terms of the the volume and the you know the sheer you know crazy volumes that we can play and the amount of air we can move but also with the harmony and all that kind of stuff i don't think i have a a really good train of thought for this do you have something right off the top of your head sure go because I, I, I can do it, but i got to have the bass in my hand and i got to play a little bit and then I'll figure it out as I go. But go on, you go first. Okay. Well, I think I learned the most 
about articulation of dynamics when I was playing in big bands for so many years. And uh, actually... Upright or electric? Both? Yeah, it was more from just being in the band. What I was about to say is that I also played for vocal jazz groups the entire time I was in college. And I learned so much about dynamics and articulation from them because it is such a... The voice and the mouth are such specific instruments. Right. That articulation becomes a whole new ball game. It's like vowel shapes and T's and S's. And right. um, I think the most valuable quick lesson that I ever learned is that uh, the only thing more important than your entrance being together is your cutoff being together. Mm. I love the sound of. As an ensemble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, especially in like a high school big band, if you tell them that and say, okay, this time don't focus on anything except cutting off right on beat four everyone off on four and it instantly makes them sound at least 10 years more experienced (laughs) when you're listening to when you're listening to uh real you know on any big band record or a a movie soundtrack especially their articulations are just flawless yeah and also learning to listen to your lead i mean the interesting thing about playing bass is you don't really have a section leader you're not following another bassist right but the party of one right (laughs) but the amount of things i learned about how to play from our lead trumpet player and our lead alto player yeah were huge just the way that they swing where they're putting the beat compared to where i'm putting it even just walking it makes a huge difference yeah so articulation is one of my favorite things to mess with in music for sure so like a o- massive overall awareness of what's going mm-hmm. on around you. Um, to that, I, I just, this thing jumped into my head. There's a Dave Grusin big band record. It was a GRP thing from the 90s, I believe, where they did West Side Story. And it's mm-hmm. like the the band of bands for that style of playing, I think. I'm going to play a little bit off of YouTube here. Let's see how the volume's doing. But there are definitely some epic phrasing moments here. And Arturo Sandoval is the section leader on the trumpets. You've got like Bill Evans in the sax section. Michael Breck is the soloist on this track. And lo and behold, John Patitucci playing bass. So I got to analyze it just a little bit, like the trombones there, like exactly what you're talking about just mm-hmm. now. You cut it off at the best part. Yeah, I know the Let trumpets the are coming in. Play. We're going to get to it. But just listen to those trombones. That's even a little bit in our register. Something like I would jam along to that, for instance, and practice that rhythm. You know, what, whatever that, what were they playing there? Just that figure. something like that that's the little phrase so maybe i would put that in the looper or just jam along to the record over and over and over again just to get exactly what chelsea's talking about like put that into reality and find a i think also like it's a it's amazing i I love also playing with a big band it's Mm -hmm. unbelievable experience obviously we don't get to do it all the time and a lot of people don't ever get to do that so i'm always trying to figure out a way how can i recreate something that is going to teach me at home you know, it's almost always something with the looper or a metro, some kind of groove, playing along with a record. You know, I wore out the Michelle and Degacello records, James Brown records, just playing along and trying to play along to a record to the point where I could only hear one bass if it was bass that I was playing along to. Um, but as Chelsea said, we were getting to the best part where the trumpets come in. Check this phrasing out. Mm-hmm. 
Look at the sneakers on the... kind of a lesson in phrasing and articulation all kinds of shit going on there right mm -hmm. um, I would also say now I have the bass and I have a couple of thoughts in my head so many things you can do I've screwed up my thumb as well I got a big band-aid on it from cooking earlier on not the not the best place to to be figuring this out but I, I would say in terms of articulation and phrasing, being able to play some stuff super even. Um, which channel am I in here? Channel five. Let's get some juice in there. Thank you. And then just being able to pop notes out here and there, every second note, every third note, every fourth note. These are just simple technical exercises that you can run through a major scale. Um, play it totally even. And then every second note. Every third note. Uh, damn, it's distorting a little bit. But you get the idea. Just move, move stuff around in something that's simple. Don't try and go crazy right off the bat. Um, I spent a, a lot of time just running really, really, really simple vocabulary with, with moving the accents around. So in terms of something simple that you can work on right away, I would say that. Anything else to add? Yeah, just Tell for me. dynamics real quick. Yeah. Uh, my favorite recording all time Ooh. for dynamics is um, Tiptoe by the Thad Jones Mellows Big Ooh. Band. There is a killing soli. It's trombones. It might be just trombones and bass. Um, it's the first soli I ever learned. And this whole tune. So Thad Jones Mel Lewis is my favorite big band because of um, people call it like quiet intensity. Okay. And the way my dad described it to me back when I was a kid was like putting on the loudest, craziest rock music you could possibly imagine and then turning the volume down to like one. Huh. And that is what true swing should sound like. Right. Real big band music sounds like you're just 
wailing, but as quiet as you possibly can. And that's actually how I try to play bass all the time now. I High apply intensity that with a low volume. With very low yeah. volume. And I apply that to my swing feel. I apply that to every everything I'm doing when I'm playing bass with an ensemble and trying to provide a lot of attitude and a lot of time and but not a lot of volume volume is not the the best controller yeah there are so many greats at that one of the people right off the top of my head is Brian Blade that is able to oh yeah it's unbelievable the intensity if you listen to Fellowship or Mm -hmm. him even playing with Kenny Garrett who is a blaster yeah I mean loud like that late 90s Kenny Garrett stuff it's loud saxophone and Brian is just cooking back there yep. and providing all this intensity. So that's definitely one of the things I also, that, that's a question that comes up a lot. What do you listen for in another musician, a drummer mm-hmm. specifically? Right. That is something, the first thing I'm like, how hard can you cook at, and how quiet can you do it? Yeah, you know, absolutely. I like that about your playing actually. Mm, when I, when I, Especially when I saw you with Morgan, like that was like, okay. Especially on an exposed thing like that as well. It's like a, quite a skeletal sound when you've only got percussion, guitar, vocals, and bass on the stage. I like that a lot. I'd like to think that that's something I have worked hard on my my whole life is to be able to do that. That's definitely something that's a part of my process every day when I'm working, even though Chelsea says I practice too loud. <laughs> I don't say it. It's a fact of life. <laughs> Give me the stare down. Uh, is that the record? No, the original one is... Uh it's not consummation it's uh well people oh it is consummation okay i'm better than i think i am consummation (laughs) thad jones mel lewis they don't have that on spotify i don't think but no uh this this should be the recording try it this 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 is a compilation maybe i'll know in one second okay if spotify would (laughs) comply and play look i've hit the i hit the thing five seconds ago six seconds seven try it again eight it's playing. It says it's playing. Did you turn it the sound Unbelievable. off? Unbelievable. No, no, no. The playhead isn't moving, but it says play. Oh, right. You got it. You got it. This is not it. That's not the right recording. Okay, but anyway, you should go check out that Jones Mel Lewis Orchestra because they're incredible, number yeah. one. But yeah, go check. I don't know that track. I'm, I want to check it out as well. Oh, my God. It's like Tip my favorite top. of all time. That whole album is ridiculously killing, but yeah. Tip and while you're at it in the Mel Lewis department, check out the Mel Lewis and Friends record mm-hmm. with, um, that was Michael Brecker's, I think his first recording when he was 19 <laughs> with Cecil Bridgewater, I think. And like it's it's a, that's also a badass record. Those guys just swung so hard. Oh, there's a, I used to play with a, with a <laughs> crazy cab driving piano player in Boston called Johnny Horner and he was nuts totally nuts he was such a beautiful guy and a good piano player and I it was one of my first gigs when I was like 19 just playing at the Wonder Bar it was called in, in Brighton I used to play there three four nights a week but his brother was is Tim Horner who plays in Maria Schneider Orchestra has mm. done for many many years and so very early on I was checking him out and just realizing oh these big band drummers they have that cook because they can't like get in the way too much you know they don't have that there's so many people in the band the sound is already so dense but they have to do their job and play their instrument but really make that beautiful bed Mm -hmm. silk sheets the whole bit you know like really really smooth underneath it you know as i was (sighs) glad you brought that up i'm gonna go listen to big band music for a week now um (laughs) we have more things on the speak pipe uh who's who's up next 
Oh. Charlie Short. Charlie Short. Is he English? No, he's not. He's not, right? I don't know. I'm going to guess Midwest. Midwest? Okay, well, let's see what Charlie has to say. Chelsea and Yannick, love the podcast. All right. I've been a fan for a while, and uh, I'm enjoying uh, your guys' chats, and I took a second to record this. Anyways, I'm a guy who has a day job and a uh, kid, and I'm often really busy, but I have to learn material often quick. And as I've gotten older, that has gotten harder for me. And I'm wondering what are some of the tips that you guys have. Now, obviously, doing the work and putting in the hours as much as I'd love to do it um, is tough. And I can I can carve out an hour a day, you know, almost every day. But I really feel like I still feel like I'm I feel like I'm climbing up a mountain <laughs> that's getting higher as I get older, both physically and mentally. What are some of the tips that you guys have um, for doing that work, for being focused um, when you're doing the work? Um, because I know that when I put the work in, it is valuable, but it still feels like I get to a rehearsal or a gig and I'm still like, I'm still fighting in a way that I didn't feel like I was fighting before. Uh, I'd like to take more gigs, but now I'm sort of afraid to, because I sort of feel like every time I'm starting over anyway, sorry for the long question. And I, uh, I look forward to all the other answers to all the other questions, um, because the podcast is great. Thanks guys. Charlie, great question. Yeah, man. Yeah, don't ever apologize for long questions. We like the long ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we appreciate the fact that you take the time to do it as well. Everyone who leaves a question, that's really, that's huge for us. It means totally. a lot. Um, yeah, I th- I guarantee both of us, of course, I'm going to ask Chelsea this, but I pretty much guarantee both of us have felt exactly what you feel Yeah. at some point, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's unavoidable. It's just reality, I think. Yeah. Um, I like to think that we all have some sort of, I hate using the word baseline uh, because we <laughs> play the bass, but some sort of fundamental bar that we play at that we're good. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter who, who you are, John Palatucci or somebody who started playing two days ago. No matter who you are or where you're at, you kind of have that fundamental line that it's really good to be aware of. So you can always be like, okay, on my worst day, I'm still this good. Mm-hmm. So I'm okay to a certain extent, and I'm not going to push my boundary too much. I think that's when the stress comes in. I, I know that I think. I know it is. I'm trying to learn Paganini right now, and it's stressful. You know, that's my boundary. That's like upper limits of my boundary and pushing those tempos. So especially when you're in a professional situation, going to a gig and, you know, not feeling like you're climbing a mountain. What, what, how do you feel about that? Do you experience that? Yeah, I'm trying to put myself in the mindset of back the last time that I had a lot of non-musical things going on because that's what it sounds like. Right. Charlie's yeah, congratulations on here. having a kid and a yeah, day and job. Yeah, and a that's life, like, and yeah. yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think the busiest I ever was was my maybe my third year of college. I was in, like, not exaggerating, seven different performing ensembles right. amidst two different colleges that I was helping out at or attending. And I had a full on at 20 hour weekday job on top of that unrelated to school. And I was running my university newspaper at the time. And I was responsible for just way too many things, way too many things. And I completely remember showing up to a rehearsal of like one of the top ensembles I was playing in and just had put getting a bass part put in front of me and being like, I don't have I'm going to fold right now. I don't have time for this. Um, I think the way that I dealt with it was if you, it sounds like you are in some rehearsing situations. 
I used rehearsal time as my practice time as much as humanly possible, which is maybe not the wisest advice. It's kind of the the survivor's advice. Right, but let's clarify practice time. I mean, were you sitting there like running scales and exercises? No, I mean, he's talking about learning specific material. T- totally. And but that that's is what I'm where saying. I did like, that. A lot of people think, oh, practice time, like just chops and stuff like no, that. No, 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 I yet. never did that. Right. Um, that will get you fired if you're just fucking around. Absolutely rehearsal. don't do that. But I made sure that I think a from school, I think a bad habit that I picked up was checking out in rehearsal oh. because a lot of the time the music either wasn't hard enough for me or challenging enough or it was more challenging for another person or another part of the band so I could just kind of lay back and I would make mistakes all the time but it wasn't because I couldn't play the music it was because I was completely checked out so when I got to the point where rehearsals became necessary so that I could learn the music as I went and really paying attention to the really difficult lines and getting them under my fingers in real time actually also helped me then in performance situations because in the performance you're usually a little nervous, your right. your nerves are going and you might mess up a line, but if you're practicing that in an already terrifying situation like having to <laughs> nail this so in front of your bandmates the then yeah, it, yeah then in the performance you're already used to that and it it really does sear it into your brain in the the right way. I, I will say, um, and I, I, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but I say, and because I, I say this all the time, but there are way more hours in the day than you give the day credit for. I totally hear you that you have a kid and a day job and all these things, but for sure you have a commute, for sure you have a pair of headphones, whatever the music is you're learning. It's there's a there's a drummer called uh, oh, I'm going to butcher his name. He's doing the Act Generation Acts tour right now. Young, young is drama. J is it J P Bouvet? I think his name is. I saw a YouTube video where he kind of had to go in last minute. Your boy Matt Garska was doing that tour. Mm-hmm. A Tosin was on it, and like Engve Malmsteen and Steve Vai and all these like heavy rock guys. And he was suffering from some carpal tunnel stuff and had to leave the tour. And this other guy, I think his name's JP, uh, came in at the last minute and like learned all this music, like wow. really like periphery music, uh, uh, or no, Animals as Leaders music, Engve, Steve Vai, like the whole set, four or five different shredders. Nuno Betancourt was another one. It's like five shredder sets, three hour show. And he learned it in five days or something. But it was amazing. And then he had to do it again in another situation. That was for periphery at the last minute. Like, got called on the Tuesday, played a festival on Friday. And it was very interesting listening to his process when it came to... He didn't. And he has all the time in the world. And he didn't spend 15 hours cramming. Hmm. He spent a couple of hours, played through the stuff, listened, and then went away. And did something completely different, like went walked by the river, didn't even listen to the music, like got out of the zone and then came back to it and then went away and then came back to it. Go on. What were you going to say? I, it was interesting when you were doing Paganini, the, was that today? Yesterday? Yesterday when and you today. Were, when you were live streaming it on YouTube, yeah. you said that you you had been practicing it and then you were like, oh, I'm getting asked Q&As. That's probably not a good idea while I'm practicing. But right. then you stopped playing and answered the Q&As for like 20 minutes. Right. And then you went back and you were like, oh, this immediately feels better after taking time off. Yeah. And I do agree that it is way better to spend 10 minutes doing it than go do something completely different, come back and do another 10 minutes than right. it is to sit down for a whole hour. That is It really not just helpful. saturates you too much, I think. Like you get so far on the inside of it. And, and, I'm, and I'm, I am 
typically a person who really enjoys spending eight hours on the same bar. And like, I hate that. Yeah, Chelsea hates that. She <laughs> I'm the anti-practicer, so. I hates it when I do it. Hates it for herself, but I'm, I'm, but I'm just saying as an example of someone who is completely okay with that. Yeah, I'm still of the opinion like, okay, let's break this up a little bit, you know. And if you have a commute to work, you can be immersing yourself in the music without your instrument, without your bass, and you know, when whenever I've transcribed anything, whenever I'm learning music for a tour, it's all about a solid like week of listening before I even touch yeah. the instrument, you know. I know you were like that with all the music you just had to learn for the tours. Mm -hmm. I barely saw you put pen to paper for the first week of having the stuff, right? You had playlists in the car. You were yeah, I kind of transcribed it all first. Okay, and then once I knew theoretically how it all happened, gotcha. then I could like check off that right as something I had done, as though I didn't have to freak out about doing it anymore. Yes, yes, and then yes, I could yes. turn off that part of my brain and just listen to the music and soak it in. Nice. Um, but yeah, I really like the 10 minutes. The other thing that happens to me when I only have one hour and I have to learn a bunch of material is I freak out because I'm, I feel stressed that I'm not going to get it done. Mm -hmm. um, I remember just last year I was working on the TV show, I think, and I knew I was going to be there until like three o'clock in the morning. And then the next day I was playing at the El Capitan Theater in hollywood right. for like the 25th anniversary of hocus pocus or something <laughs> with john debney the composer he was our he was our uh conductor wow. and i had to learn the score like right. the original parts sure. from the thing and it was like a a pared down version of the orchestra so there were only like small group yeah it Ooh. was like exposed yeah maybe 12 or 15 of us playing an entire orchestra's yeah, worth of, of an arrangement <laughs> So I really had to be on my stuff and I was the only bass player. So I, I knew that I was really laying it down for everyone. This was a classical gig, by the way, right. if that's not clear. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I, I got so stressed out because I was like, okay, so I have between 3 a.m. and 8 a.m. The rehearsal is at nine right. to learn this music. And I just, I panicked. I was like, there's no way I'm going to get this done. So instead I did exactly that. I took 20 minutes. I looked at all the music and kind of made notes where I needed to. Right. Uh, and then I didn't touch it. I like went and did something else. And then I came back and played it through once. And then I put it down, went and did something else. And I had it down in half the time right. than if I had just tried to sit there and be terrified. It's also like everyone has, I know our process is very different for learning music or for going on tour and stuff. And they're both, I think, both great ways to do it. We're just quite different. I think so many people are different. But finding your way like finding your method of how you, you know, assimilate information and vocabulary and how you make cheat sheets or whether you use an iPad mm -hmm. or you're a pen and paper person or whatever it is. There are so many options out there. You know, for me, I'm mainly about the ear as much as I can, but only if I have the luxury of time. And quite often I have weeks, not hours. So that's great. But if I only have hours, I'll gladly make a cheat sheet and maybe that's something you want to be looking into, you know. Yeah, um, I think experimenting with your processes yes can be very helpful and not being married to one thing yeah you know oh, just so just because you've been doing something for five years ten years or six months or whatever it is doesn't mean to say it's the right thing you right. know and and really check in to see what's working and what isn't i'm constantly adjusting that like micro adjustments in my technique in my process the way i practice that my seating position like all kinds of little things 
that you would just think, oh, well, whatever, I just do it this way because it's done this way. Um, but when you really, you know, put it under the microscope and, and work on those things and adjust them, you get a lot more mileage out of it. And ultimately, like trying to have fun through all of that stress. Yeah. You know, if that's your goal, it really sheds away a lot of the bullshit. You know, it's true. if you're less apprehensive about making a mistake or, you know. It's really fun learning new music. It can be. It, it is. Yeah. Like a puzzle or like a challenge that you don't really get very often if you're not in that headspace. Right. Well, our creatures here are being so cute. We have a new podcast set up. Yes. So I'm on the couch and then we kind of created like a double wide king bed for <laughs> dog and cat who like to cuddle. Yeah. So so dog is literally with his head off the couch, body <laughs> stretched all the way. It's like the lap of luxury that he lives in here. Um, oh, yeah, that's right, buddy. Get really <laughs> comfortable. But it makes it really fun for us to be over here sitting here doing podcasts it's all crisp you said you were going to talk about the holidays and we never did we never did well you having a holiday gig and then what and, and, and here's another thing i've always um i experienced this when i was way young before i moved to the states like late teens like really really young um do you ex have you experienced this in your career where it's like mad push to the holidays like tons of gear and then like radio silence like crickets through january yeah you get that drop off yeah, I actually experienced that for the very first time this year. Okay. Um, I have been very weirdly lucky that I usually am working all through January, but all of my friends, I know that is not the case. Right. Um, and I think it's just f freak luck that I've been able to work through January. But that's but, a real thing. I mean, I, I talk to people and they're concerned about like, yo, I don't have a gig in January. Like well, not one kind of thing. And also on the other side, my friends right now are just pulling their hair out they're so busy right one of my friends has two back-to-back -back five hour gigs on christmas day <laughs> how do you who is calling you for like private gigs or something yeah like wow. christmas Holiday brunches parties. or yeah. you know some fancy hotel wow who knows 10 but, hours yeah. christmas day i hope they're getting triple scale absolutely yeah but that's why you do it yeah christmas pays the big bucks christmas and new year's well new year's doesn't pay the big bucks anymore but well yeah it used to it used to you're traveling for new year's though i am that's a first oh yeah right? there's any coffee drinkers in maine or vermont yeah I'm portland maine and no idea. burlington vermont oh yeah right? i think it's burlington vermont yeah I not don't. the metronome but something another club right yeah anyway the 30th will be in portland maine and the chelsea this is chelsea we're talking about and that's with lake street dive Right, so you're playing with Dust Bowl Revival, mm -hmm. and that they are double billing with Lake Street Dive. That's in Portland, right? Yeah. Yeah, and then the next night, New Year's Eve, if you want to spend your New Year's Eve with Chelsea. And hey. I love it because I'll be in a place where I don't know anybody. Yeah, exactly. So if anyone's in Vermont, uh, check out where Dust Bowl Revival are playing. Chelsea will be there smashing some bluegrass. And si you're singing on this gig as well? Mm, I mean, everybody sings. Yeah, ever right, right. Yeah. It's one of those kind of bands, like nine people in the band or something Eight, crazy. Mm -hmm. Eight, yeah. Singers and mandolin or something. And oh, yeah, mandolin, violin. It's a party, man. Legit, yeah. It so, doesn't even matter what's happening off the stage because on the stage we're having a ton of fun, so right. it's great. I'll be here with the double-wide cat and dog bed. <laughs> Chelsea will be rocking Vermont, so if you're out there, go check it out. It's next week. I know. I was Isn't just that thinking crazy? that it's a week from tomorrow. <laughs> Christmas snuck up. 
super quick this year. Uh. Yeah. Well, wherever you are, coffee drinkers, whatever you're celebrating, be that Christmas or something else, um, have some happy holidays. We may be back uh, before that. I don't know. Yeah, Hopefully before you leave. Oh, definitely. I, I'm, I'm going to do a podcast on my own and talk a little bit about the Paganini thing just because. Um, it's been really interesting, and I don't want to bore Chelsea with that um, and just do a quick thing on that. So maybe we'll do that tomorrow, perhaps. Coffee drinkers. Um, Luis Mendez, Charlie Short, thanks for your questions. Forrest Gentry, we see you. You are next on the list. And whoever else decides to and whoever follow else, the speak pipe. Exactly. Go to yannickwizdala.com forward slash podcast and click on the appropriate button leave us a voice message we will have it on the podcast answer your questions also christmas sale is going on right now oh yeah yeah 15 percent off use the coupon code coffee drinkers hello it's the coffee drinker sale one um, word no co- caps. yeah one word no caps coffee drinkers at store.yannickwasdala.com we actually bought the price of the books down by almost 40 percent or more than 40 percent actually and you can get a further 15 percent off the price of your entire order when you use the coffee drinkers coupon code so go do that they make great gifts for family and friends if you want physical copies of any of the books but especially the new book because it just came out those those are over at amazon.com they ship worldwide i get all these messages about hey do you ship here do you ship there call amazon they know what they're doing amazon they go everywhere they probably shipped to Bhutan and the north pole if you really (laughs) want them to santa ordered a 251 book he did santa himself Santa's a dope violin player, I heard. Violin? Yeah. Really? You think Santa plays the violin? No, of course Santa's a bass player. Come on. No. <laughs> no? No, Santa plays like Whirly or something. Whirlitzer. Yeah. He's not a piano player or keyboard no, player. No, no, He's specifically, He's specifically a Whirlitzer called, player. Well, and like organ, but look, not like look, church look organ. clavinet on weekends? No. No? Wow. No. Okay. Like Larry Goldings. Oh, very specific. But Santa Goldings. Hans, Hans, Hans Goldings. Hans, Hans, Hans Greiner Claus. Hans Greiner's playing tonight at Sam First, I think. Okay, on that bombshell, <laughs> we're out of here. I don't know what we're doing podcasting. We're going to go see some Hans Greiner. Uh, coffee drinkers, thank you for sticking with us. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. We'll see you soon. <laughs>